Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is our, I was going to say finale, but it's not a finale. It's... <laughs> well, it's part two of yeah. the season premiere. We're finishing up the first episode of the second ep- uh, season of the weeks. <laughs> exactly. If you say it fast enough. <laughs> if you say it fast enough, it makes sense. That's been my motto all along. <laughs> But we're not alone. We're again joined by our special guest, Josh Waller. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, we're very excited to talk about the second half yeah. because the first half was very intriguing, but the second half is where all of the, the cool stuff happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there are a lot of cool stuff happening in the first. Yeah. But you second know half I mean. is amped up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful day in Florida. <laughs> Sunny skies. <laughs> Should we just go straight into notes? Because we already did our first impressions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for the notes, for the rest of them at least, I have some interesting like little like trivia slash interesting things about it. Okay, okay. Okay, do, do I want to start off with the Log Lady intro, since we didn't read it last time? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. start off. Okay. So this is the Log Lady intro. Hello again. Can you see through a wall? Can you see through human skin? X-rays see through solid or so-called solid objects. There are things in life that exist, yet our eyes cannot see them. Have you ever seen something startling that others cannot see? Why are some things kept from our vision? Is life a puzzle? Mm. I am filled with questions. Sometimes my questions are answered. In my heart, I can tell the answer is correct. I am my own judge. In a dream, are all the characters really you? Different aspects of you. Do answers come in dreams? One more thing. I grew up in the woods. (laughs) I understand many things because of the woods. Trees standing together, growing alongside one another, providing so much. I chew pitch gum. On the outside, let's say, of the ponderosa pine, sometimes pitch oozes out. Runny pitch is no good to chew. Hard, brittle pitch is no good. But in between these exists a firm, slightly crusted pitch with such a flavor. This is the pitch I chew. All right. I bet that is some nasty pitch. There's no sugar in tree pitch. Not in, she said pine, right? It's probably very bracing. Probably. It didn't look very uh, (laughs) delicious when she (laughs) stuck it on the wall. (laughs) So some more little trivia. I like that one, though, because the Mm -hmm. first half is all, like, feels very... um, Mysterious. Metaphysical. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very... Yeah. It was a good... I like these Log Lady intros. I kind of wish they were just permanently part. Well, I was thinking, because, you know, like, you know how they say, like, matter is actually made up of, like, 99% empty space if you just mm-hmm. got like to the molecular level mm-hmm. that's what it made me think about <laughs> <laughs> i i didn't can't say that i got the same idea but i also <laughs> like that episode eight which is this one they're calling it episode eight was broadcast on september 30th 1990 but was watched by an audience of 19.1 million Gosh. which is 20 percent of the available audience which is crazy to think wow. about 20 yeah. percent that's of amazing Watching TV. <laughs> so this was interesting since we commented about the surround sound. This was the first episode since the pilot to be recorded in Dolby Surround. Oh. Um, and all season two episodes were recorded in Dolby Surround. Uh, well, we'll have to make sure that the 
DVD player is working properly. <laughs> hear that DVD player? <laughs> we want to hear it behind us. <laughs> we want to be scared to death. Yes. <laughs> we want to think Bob is in the room. No. <laughs> um, and then also the title, May the Giant Be With You, is a clear reference to the May the Force Be With You um, from Star yes, Wars, so obviously. And the actor, Carol Strykin, who plays the giant, also appeared in Ewoks, The Battle for Endor. Um, <laughs> my favorite of the Star Wars movies. Which is yes. coming to Disney Plus. Is it? Yeah, next month. Oh my gosh. That's going to be some flashback it. central. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the editor, Dwayne Dunham, also cut Star Wars Episode Five, Right. And Star Wars Episode Six. Right. Oh no. Yeah, Six. Sorry. And then Laura Dern, who, you know, who appears in the revival later on, also appeared in Star Wars Episode Eight. So there's like a weird... There's always some sort of weird history with... David Lynch and Star Wars. Yeah. We said in the last one about like, he was maybe going to direct Star Wars Mm -hmm. and Spielberg, even though Spielberg isn't really Star Wars, was going to maybe direct them. I always get Spielberg and George Lucas like conflated in my brain as the same person, but they're they're not actually the same person. I can see it though. But anyway, yeah. That whole weird director, Mm -hmm. mind meld of the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) They probably all came up around the same time. Probably. It's just, it's interesting how much weird crossover there is. Yeah. So apparently there is alternate, there's an alternate version of a scene of this episode. It's a scene where Maddie and Laura's mom are in the living room and then Laura's mom gets up and she sees the stain. Uh Uh-huh. Apparently in in overseas versions, including like in Europe and Japan, they replace the stain with uh, like a cheap video effect of Bob's face distorting Uh -uh. in and out. Nope. Uh-huh. And then apparently the footage of Bob was lifted from the uh, the vision of him Cooper has towards the end of the next episode that we're going to probably talk about. Okay. So apparently, I don't know if it's like some weird thing overseas where they took out a lot of the Bob, like some of the imagery, but they put in new That's imagery. so weird. Well, I know that in the overseas pilot, they had the whole... I don't think you've even seen it because we didn't do that version, mm-hmm. but there's like a whole ending tacked on that has Bob and the one-armed man. And Interesting. so maybe they were just really into Bob because of that. Maybe, but it would definitely be a lot scarier of a scene. It I would know, make more I sense like with her screaming. The stain because it's, mm-hmm. well, we'll find out later. But yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I did have one other little story from this um, Twin Peaks and Wraps book mm-hmm. about this episode. And that is Mac Takano, who plays Jonathan or we, I think we only know him as the Asian man in this episode. Uh-huh. But he was a huge fan of David Lynch films. So he was like, it was a real honor to come in to be cast in Twin Peaks. And I think he got cast because he knew Harley Payton. Uh-huh. And so, you know, they cast him. And then on the day he came in to shoot, he heard that he might not actually have the part because David Lynch had seen his headshot and was like, wait a minute, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> but then he came in that day and saw him and said, Oh, you don't really look like your head shot and just kept going. And he was like, well, you know, I thought either way, at least I'd have a good story of getting fired on the first day by David Lynch. But no, he got to be in it. So <laughs> that was so a cool. funny story. <laughs> Let's go into the recap. Yours. 
All right, so we just saw Andy and Lucy going through flesh worlds was the last thing. And now we go to back to the hospital. A lot of this episode takes place in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Doc Hayward is concerned about Jacoby. And he thinks it may be due to the food because this is the start of the running. (laughs) The hospital food is terrible and could kill you. Maybe alive. (laughs) (laughs) Various gurgling noises. Yes. It's all liquid? (laughs) It is all various levels of disgusting green liquid. Orange. I mean, with the exception of the orange, it was like all my signature colors. So I was like... like, I could paint my clothes with this. (laughs) Uh, Cooper and Harry come in. Uh, Cooper gets straight to the point. How did Jacoby get that locket? And he says he'll lock him up if he doesn't tell him. And he explains how he followed Leo, the man in the red convertible, who Laura had talked about. But then he saw James and Donna and followed them into the woods. He saw them bury it, and then he dug it up when they left. Okay, this is my (laughs) question about that. It is so dark out at night in those woods. How the hell did he follow them in the dark? On foot while they were on a motorcycle. How? How? That's unbelievable to me. Well, I guess if we... I mean, just... Christian doesn't know, but I know in season three, he's much more tuned to the woods, so... Right. But, you know, at this time, he's really into Hawaii, so I think he's more tuned (laughs) to the ocean. (laughs) Like During that scene, I was like thinking... How did you follow them on foot when they were on a motorcycle in the dark woods? And it was and... cold because that first episode, you know, they're oh, both yeah. like look like and they're about jackets. to freeze. Yeah. <laughs> did they have a? They had a flashlight though, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think so maybe they maybe just if followed. he was like standing above them and like you know, he could on see the, the flashlight and just kind of follow them. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking way too much about it, but like that's. But that's... I do. If you think back when you first saw the first episode uh-huh. and that creepy in scene of like the hand un- you know unbearing mm-hmm. and you're like who's the creeper on the woods it's like it's Jacoby yeah. oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> but he does say that the locket the divided heart is a symbol of Laura which mm. seems very appropriate and then he says he thinks that Laura allowed herself to be killed yeah <laughs> Cooper is like she did not commit suicide <laughs> and but he thinks that he, she might have just allowed herself, which I don't really like as a concept. I feel like there's too much in Twin Peaks where we teeter on the edge of Laura wanted to die or Laura was ready to die. But, you know, or yeah. this was her escape from things, which maybe we don't even need to get into this until we watch Firewalk with me. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it does bother me a little bit. I would say based, <laughs> she was murdered. <laughs> yeah, based on Secret Diary, it was like. It's not a choice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would say it, maybe it wasn't her choice because she seemed to be mostly in control of everyone, even Bob, in a way. Yeah. So I would say maybe, yeah, I think saying that she wanted to die was kind of, it's kind of like a lazy, poor way of saying it. I mean, she did want to die in but her like, way. But allowing she, herself yeah. to die. It's like, mm, I think she maybe was probably suicidal, but <laughs> I don't think yeah, she was. Yeah, but she never ha- did any sort of. She never self-harmed. She, yeah, she never had any that. suicidal attempts that we no. know of. But who knows? They're asking about Jacques' death as well because he was in the same room. He says he doesn't remember anything. It's kind of like a dream, but there was a peculiar smell 
like mm. oil, scorched engine oil. Mm-hmm. Mm. There is a really weirdly kind of gross out humor. I, I don't know. It's just weird for Cooper to be like, sometimes people void their bowels when they die. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> it's like, I think he would have said that up front if that's what it was. Yeah. But scorched engine oil. Ugh. That will definitely come back. Yes. Uh, then we see Bobby visiting Shelly at the hospital. <laughs> Again, the food could kill you. <laughs> <laughs> he brought her flowers. They're so cute when she wakes up. They talk. Shelly explains how Leo tried to kill her. (laughs) And then Bobby decides he's her new doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And Shelly says she loves him. And he says, I guess I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) Which for Bobby is probably the most emotional he's been so far. (laughs) Also kind of a Star Wars-ish way to be like, I love you. But he repeats himself, I guess I love you too, as he leaves, because he's trying it on for size. Yes. It is a very sweet scene for Bobby. <laughs> I think he clearly does love her. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Koopy and... Koopy? <laughs> Koopy. Koopy and Harry. Koopy. Uh, they see Bobby leaving. Uh, Albert is still being rude. And they come upon Ed, who is waiting outside Nadine's room. <sighs> He's feeling very guilty. He says he never believed in fate, but he saw this coming and didn't want to believe it. Maybe he didn't want to stop her. He says how they met, which is they were in high school. He was going out with Norma. Everybody expected them to get married, but one night she ran off with Hank, and he was really broken up, and there was Nadine right in front of him. And she was so sweet and helpless, and it kind of makes it sound like they kind of got married on a whim. Mm-hmm. And when they get back, Norma hadn't even slept with Hank. And she was like devastated when she found out. But Ed knew that Nadine was so happy that he couldn't let her down. And on their honeymoon, he shot out her eye <laughs> while they were hunting pheasants. Like uh, you do. Yeah. I guess the main part of that story is that Nadine is a crack shot, Ed. Not very good for the gun. <laughs> I just, this whole scene, I was like, I feel bad for Nadine and I hate everyone else. <laughs> everyone is, she deserves everything I, good. I do love Nadine. I can't, mm. I love her storyline in season two. Oh, um, yeah. People don't love it as much as I do, some people, but I love it. <laughs> okay, but she, she never blamed Ed. A couple months later, Norma ended up marrying Hank and... Albert kind of mocks him with some fake tears at the end. <laughs> I feel like we we are all Albert. Like, if yeah. it's getting a little too maudlin and s- sappy, Albert's there to be like, oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also like, we're, I'm not going to feel bad for Ed and Norma because they were idiots and got themselves in these situations. I'm going to feel Seriously. bad for Nadine. It's been years now, and they're still in the same exact situation they were in uh-huh. high school. Come on. Well, did they <laughs> do they ever explain why she ran off with Hank the one night? Not in this. I don't know if they do at a later in, date, yeah. but I have to imagine it was some nefarious plan on Hank's part. Mm, <laughs> probably. Of course, he's the worst. Schmuck. Schmuck. That's a good word for him. Okay. James comes to see Ed. Cooper, though, during this, gets this weird feeling and decides to look around the corner, mm-hmm. and he sees... 
Jacques's body bag hanging on the wall. And now it really does look like it's smiling, the yeah. way it's hanging up oy, there. Oy, oy. Dripping. I was like, why is it dripping? Gross. <laughs> oh, God. They just hosed it out. And then <laughs> a doctor tells the nurse that she better speak to that kitchen. Or he's going to do it. <laughs> Like you might want to call like the health department or something. <laughs> oh, this was the nineties. Come on, <laughs> this is gross liquids. Oh, and then we see Pete investigating the food. He takes out his um, breathing tube and smells it and <laughs> almost passes out. <laughs> That was the best. Was that the only little Pete thing we got? Was that no, one? No, he comes back a little bit. Oh, later. he Because uh, I was thinking, hospital. like, go. God, if this were the only Pete scene in the episode, it would be amazing because it's like <laughs> this brilliant moment of physical comedy. And he's then. He's so great. I love uh, him. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> I oh, can't right. help but think of Razorhead now every time I yeah, see Yeah, I know. <laughs> or uh, Dune. <laughs> or Blue Velvet. <laughs> but mostly I think of Razorhead. Yeah, he's a, he's a scene stealer. Oh, for sure. I he, I think he was my favorite character when I was a kid. Mm, in Twin Peaks? Yeah. Yeah. I love an old man. <laughs> <laughs> Although, knowing our age, Maya, I probably wouldn't be uh, calling him an old man. Cause oh, that's he... what I'm saying. Well, oh, yeah, maybe I didn't say this on the <laughs> microphone, but I was wondering if when I become an old lady, if I'll still be like, I love old men. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd be like, old men aren't the worst. <laughs> <laughs> They're just my peers now. <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. Norma is visiting Shelly. She's going to bring her some food and a pie. Shelly's really funny when she's like, I'm being very serious here. Nate, uh, I need you to bring me the entire pie. <laughs> <laughs> Related to that. Yeah. <laughs> but as she's leaving, she looks in on Ed sitting with Nadine. And she's sad. Boo-hoo. <sighs> Get over it. Oh, but I do love Norma. Me too. I do. I feel bad because her and Ed just love each other. And I do love them individually. Yeah. Um, I just maybe they need to be whole... a thruple. I would. Su- <laughs> I would support that. Although I think Nadine would probably break her in half with her bare hands, like she did to the <laughs> exercise machine. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Bobby is at the double R, and his dad is there. And he asks if he'll join him at the booth. And, he, you know, Bobby's like, school was fine. <laughs> Work was good, according to the major. And Bobby asks him what he does. He says, it's classified. <laughs> <laughs> and then Garland shares a vision he had in his sleep. Not a dream, a vision. In his vision, he was on a veranda, radiating with light. He was born and raised there. He saw that his house had been maintained and improved. And suddenly there was a knock at the door, and his son was there. He was happy and carefree and leading a life of harmony and joy. And they embraced, and they were in that moment one. And he awoke with a sense of optimism and hope for his future. And Bobby is very moved by this speech. She even cries a tear. They shake hands. (laughs) He's like, I embraced him, but not yet. Um, (laughs) And then Hank asks the major how the pie was. And he says, exceptional as always, as he's on his way out. Exceptional as always. And then Norma comes in. 
I think Hank tries to talk to her, and she's just like, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> uh, Bobby notices Hank and realizes that he shot Leo, which I think maybe he just didn't think about it again or maybe didn't put it together, but I thought he realized that in the last one, but mm. maybe he just forgot and was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're back at the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department. And the donuts are on point. Oh, donuts. <laughs> they look so big and fluffy and like, ugh. Approximately 40 donuts. This specific scene, the when I watched it to write the recap, I immediately ordered donuts <laughs> to be delivered to the house. <laughs> you can't. I just can't not. not. Okay. There's no better place in the world than America where you can order donuts to be <laughs> delivered to, to your, your home. home. For approximately three hundred dollars. <laughs> I know, I know. Plus tip. <laughs> Can you put a price on donuts delivered to your door, though? No, <laughs> no. Uh, I can put it a calories, a number of calories. <laughs> so okay, Cooper is there. He's laying out Laura's last night as we know it so far. She met up with James at a certain point. But then ran off into the woods, where she met with Leo, Ronette, and Jacques. Leo and Jacques fought, and Leo left alone. Then a third man came, who took the girls to the train car and tied them up. He put Laura's necklace on a pile of dirt, shoved a letter under her fingernail, and wrote a note in his own blood. Fire walk with me. Andy is crying. (laughs) <laughs> and you can tell Lucy feels bad for him. But Albert is mocking him. <laughs> and then Al- Andy tells him to shut his mouth, and he slams his door on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a real good moment of Andy standing up yes. to Albert. You can definitely see that Lucy is a little bit like, oh. Yeah. Hmm. And Harry is proud, too. (laughs) Albert also seems (laughs) unfazed. He's just like, okay. I expect these reactions. Uh, Cooper, meanwhile, is determined to find this third man. Mm. Okay, so Harry brings Pete home. He, (laughs) Pete is like, I feel like someone taped my lips to the tailpipe of a bus. (laughs) How evocative. I know. (laughs) There's a note from Josie. She said she had to leave on an emergency of business to Seattle. <laughs> she hopes he did a good day at the mill. Hmm. But there's no contact info. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know what you're doing, Josie. Josie. <laughs> well, we don't know what you're doing right now, but we know what you did last night. <laughs> last summer. <laughs> uh, she thinks... Oh, no. Pete thinks that she goes to indulge her secret vice of shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Cocaine. (laughs) I don't know if she does drugs. No. But she can Um, spend some money. She probably does drugs, but rich people drugs I feel like she likes to be in control. Josie. Yeah, maybe. Okay, anyway, but they haven't found Catherine either. Pete looks very broken up at the prospect of preparing for the worst. And... He says he thought she would be the last person standing, even in a nuclear war. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great description. (laughs) He says living with her has been plain hell, but once there was a little bit of heaven, and he loved her. (laughs) (laughs) And then a man calls for Josie. He's from the Great Northern. Mm -hmm. He doesn't leave his name, 
But we see him because we swipe over to him at the Great Northern. And afterwards, we see him making an international call to Hong Kong. But we don't know to who because we start following the Horn brothers who are unsurprisingly discussing food. <laughs> <laughs> neither of them have seen Audrey, but neither of them seem very concerned about that. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> Father of the year. Person of the year. People of the year. Mm. They're all Yeah, animals. did I say that this time around? I mean, I know I said it when we were watching it, but this time around I found the Horn Brothers to be much more nefarious than mm, I have yeah. on previous watches. And that I was like, well, like... Watching it closer now, you're like, oh, they're, like, not only drug traffickers, but they're also, like, human trafficking oh, yeah. <laughs> minors <laughs> for sex work. It's so interesting and weird. And yeah. They're and so evil. Their relationship with, like, Blackie at One-Eyed Jacks, we're about to get there. Yeah. This next scene, though, I did have a comment when they walk into the room and, like, it's dark and, like, the fireplace is roaring. It felt very, like villain like oh. disney villain 100%. kind of scene with a giant fish arched over hank's head yes. <laughs> and they're kind of like circling yes it's a little it's very much yeah. like that to me <laughs> so they're getting another rundown on what's happened in the behind the scenes world josie's left town leo should be dead but no one saw hank when he shot him according so to he him thinks. he thinks that leo was chopping wood inside <laughs> And Jerry questions that, but he says, you know Leo. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's weird. He'll chop wood anywhere. <laughs> and they think that Catherine is probably buried with the wreckage. Mm. And Ben says that he'll give up sex if they don't pin that fire on Catherine and Leo. I said, overconfident. <laughs> <laughs> and the brothers decide they will be the ones to take care of the ledgers. We go to One-Eyed Jacks. Audrey comes in to see Blackie. She wants to know why her room is locked and she has a guard. And Blackie says that the owner was disappointed in her performance. <laughs> <laughs> she says that he was not her type. And then she says, neither are you, Blackie. <laughs> <laughs> Which felt to me very Laura. <laughs> because that whole scene of them in the book. Oh, yeah. But I feel like Laura would be like, oh, no, you're exactly my type. And then... Turn on her. Which is, like, I think what happened. Yeah. She left her a puddle <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> but Blackie motions and the goons grab Audrey. Blackie threatens her and says, when you work for me, everyone's your type. <laughs> hmm. Then we go to Donna's house. I swear I thought this was the last scene until it <laughs> happened. And I was like, oh, there's still so much more. Okay. <laughs> We go to Donna's house for the most interesting family mm. gathering. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was very weird to me. It was very weird. Very weird. On especially, a lot of different levels. <laughs> especially with the context that it's really been only like what you said a week since Laura's murder. And yeah. we're having a poetry reading. The funeral was like <laughs> three days ago. Right, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, also kind of weird with Leland being like... Ugh. I'm happy! <laughs> and only an, so and creepy. the only person like dressed up in a tux. Everyone else is like plain clothes. Yeah. Oh, Leland. Yeah. Okay, so, oh, first, first, before we start the dinner party, we see Donna calling Norma about starting to take over Laura's route on the Meals on Wheels. Mm -hmm. Just to set that up. But, okay, so at the dinner party, the Palmers are there with Maddie, Gersten, 
Alicia Witt <laughs> is dressed up as a fairy princess. And she has an announcement. She welcomes them to the Hayward Supper Club. <laughs> she says that she was chosen to be the fairy princess in her school play. Which seems like... Okay, first of all, is this like Shakespeare they're doing? Like, fairy princess. <laughs> it seems too young is what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Unless it's like some sort of Shakespeare Mature, midsummer night yeah. dream or something. I don't know. But that's too old. She's a, if she's supposed to be that young, she's a very talented piano player. <laughs> yeah, she's it's so very talented girls, mm-hmm. the, the Hayward girls. Well, I mean, I don't know what Donna's talents are, but I assume she being cool with she's, yeah she's so cool she's like a bad girl <laughs> she's talented at being cool she's the bad girl <laughs> pink lady uh, uh, Gerson also received the highest marks in school um, just as her sisters before her and then Harriet our little poet we did our first deep dive on mm-hmm. I think for this she has a poem to share about Laura Gersten accompanies her on the piano and the poem, I think I wrote down some of the lines. It was Laura, and I saw her glowing in the mm. dark woods. We were crying, and I saw her laughing. It was Laura living in my dreams. Her glow was life. Her smile said it was all right to cry. The dark was our sadness. It was Laura, and she came to kiss me goodbye. Yeah, well, just like, it's... That's a very condensed version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is weird to think about the fact that it's only been a couple of days since the funeral, and it feels like a very, like, you like eulogy type of, like, oh, you read this at the funeral service. Yeah. It just feels very weird to read that in front of her parents. It just, <laughs> just it's like her. that kind of middle school awkwardness that uh, just is yeah. abounding in that time of your life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is this, like, a thing of, like, that time where, like, you have these dinner parties and the kids like sort of quote unquote perform because i've seen I it in other things but it's just planies. planies families that do that sort of thing it's just so like weird and foreign to me yeah the idea of that happening because it just feels so awkward oh my grandmother used to make me play piano for her friends when they would come over oh really she would yeah she would make me perform <laughs> oh. my parents <clears throat> never made me perform but i love to perform so i'm certain that we put on plays or mm-hmm. puppet shows it just feels very austin-esque to me because yeah you know, playing the piano it is very <laughs> <laughs> the haywards would fit right in with a yes. <laughs> oh girls yeah, when Harriet's done, she hugs Leland, and then Gersten plays some Mendelssohn. <laughs> <laughs> they all eat. Donna whispers to Maddie about the Meals on Wheels. Leland is wearing a tux. <laughs> <laughs> Very dressed up. I was like, are the rest of them dressed up? No. And they don't like dressed up at all, but just him. Because <laughs> Donna's definitely wearing what she was wearing for the whole day. Yeah. I wish she was wearing the sunglasses still. But she's still <laughs> sitting in her, like, newfound Donna. Like, cool. She's, like, she's hunched her... back a little bit yeah. with her arms. Yeah. She's just, like, tired of being there. <laughs> oh, why do I have to be here? Well, also, I love how they're all eating and Gershon's playing the piano. I know. Did she have to eat before it started? Like, she's like, this, the owner of the supper club never eats. <laughs> you can take your dinner in the kitchen now. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so... Doc Hayward asks about Ben's development plans, and Leland's like, as a lawyer, as his and your lawyer, I can't tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) And then he asks about his hair, and he says that it just happened overnight. 
but he feels like he turned a corner. He says he's still sad, but it's like a weight has been lifted off his chest, and he insists on singing a song, Get Happy. <laughs> Very manically. <laughs> yeah, see, Doc was like, okay, yeah. Well, it starts off like Sarah's just embarrassed for him, and Donna and Maddie are like, well, Donna is like straight up laughing at him, but Maddie seems like, oh, that's so sweet. And, but then he starts to get faster and faster and more frantic. And then he just falls over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Doc's response was like, give me the bag. He was just like, it's not that like, serious. I've already had the longest day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Since the fire of 59 or whatever. I think he was even like falling asleep in his food earlier. Like they're yeah. like, are you falling asleep over there? <laughs> we got a snort. We got a falling asleep puppy. <laughs> Uh, but he he does revive him, but he wakes up and he says, "I I still feel happy." <laughs> like, All right. Yeah. I think he might be feeling manic. Yeah, <laughs> or something. Something. And then we see Cooper. He's in his bed talking to Diane again, and that's where I said, "Do you think Diane rolls her eyes at these messages from Cooper?" <laughs> God, does he like you really don't that? have to tell me every single time you have a thought. <laughs> He says that sleep deprivation may be affecting him because he doesn't believe he really saw the giant last night. And then he turns out the light. And then we see Audrey praying to her special agent. (laughs) She wants to know if he got her note. And we see it, because we're cutting back and forth, on the floor, under the bed. bed. (sighs) I think old waiter probably knocked it off. Mm. Or maybe when the guys came in, I don't know, but... She says that she's in over her head and she needs some expert guidance as she knows the secrets but hopes he won't think less of her for trying to help him. She only had the best of intentions and she begs him to help if he can hear her. (laughs) Which he can't because he's too distracted by the giant returning. (laughs) (laughs) Who I feel like heard him say, I just imagined this and I was like, Naden. <laughs> yeah, <back>. exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, nope, this is real. Cooper, he even says, I'm not dreaming. And the giant's like, my bad, I forgot to tell you something when I was here last time. <laughs> and he says, it's better for you to just listen than to try to talk to me. And he says, don't search for all the answers at once, one stone at a time. He says, one person saw the third man. He's known to him, and he's now ready to talk. Also, one more thing. You forgot something, namely a letter under your bed. Yep. (laughs) And then he vanishes in a flash of golden light that almost looks like a golden ball that gets sucked Mm -hmm. into Cooper. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I've noticed that, specifically how that works. Mm -hmm. But that might be a later point. (laughs) much 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 later we'll never remember okay (laughs) okay last thing it's dark at the hospital there's nobody there after all of the drama earlier there's not a single person there but Ronette is in bed and she raises her arms kind of in a zombie way and then opens her eyes and then she sees a vision of Bob and the murder and Laura with blood in her mouth and she starts thrashing in the bed and we see Bob and he lets out this guttural scream as we freeze on his face for the credits. 
But then as the credits start to roll, we see and hear Kristen continuing her recital. <laughs> <laughs> little uh, ragtime of some sort. Woo! Uh, that is a crazy episode. Yeah, I know. What an ending. Bob is so scary to me. So scary. <laughs> Has always been scary. He's so scary. So many puzzle pieces that are just like being set up right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just like that imagery of the fire at the end and... Laura, it looks like she's, like, attacking something. Yeah, we're, like, seeing images of the murder. Yeah, so it's crazy. So graphic. Mm. And so scary looking. Yeah. So crazy to me when I think of Firewalk with me and just the continuity of how amazing it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's beyond me because I don't ever feel like... David Lynch is one who cares about continuity, but for some reason that movie is, like, got amazing continuity. All right. Favorite moments. Oh, favorite moments. There's um, a lot to choose from in this oh section. Yeah. I do. I think my favorite moment is probably the interaction between Audrey and Blackie. Mm. Just because we didn't really get a lot of Audrey this episode. And Audrey's my favorite. <laughs> but also just like her little, I don't know, just like how confident and like not necessarily afraid of anyone that she is. Like yes. when she's like, who's the refrigerator? I just made laugh. I think she's so funny. She's got some false bravado. Yes. <laughs> I wonder where she gets that from. Yeah, she learned it from her dad. Yep. That was my favorite. What about you? Oh, definitely. I know you almost said it yeah, last time. <laughs> uh, the Major Briggs and Bobby scene in the, in the mm-hmm. diner. I just Very sweet. It was a sweet scene and such a good little monologue, you know, David Lynchian weird yeah. monologue, mm-hmm. you know. And he's going to become such a more interesting and cool part yeah. of the story, Garland. So it's really, before this, he was just like, is he like super religious? Yeah. Is he what? I mean, it was hard to tell what was going on with him. He slapped Bobby that one time and they have a huge cross in their house and we know he's in the military, but we don't really know if he's like a good dad, but it's like, oh, he's a great dad. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, and then when you, you know, he catches Bobby smoking a cigarette, and it's just like, you know, you think, oh crap, like what's going to yeah. happen? And it's ends up being such a sweet emotional moment. Yeah, mm. but uh, that's a good one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a great monologue by him. Gosh, I mean, I love every Pete moment, of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, I love the running gag of the hospital food throughout mm. this entire section. The gurgly, maybe <laughs> alive. I love all the like clues. How we're starting to like we now we know one clue and we know the solution to it, like the bag that smiles. So we mm-hmm. can kind of now mm-hmm. start playing with the rest of the clues ourselves and see what we find. Uh, like both of the moments you guys chose. I also kind of like just Ronette waking up because Ugh. I feel like she's someone we don't see that much. And even though it's like mm-hmm. terrifying imagery and everything, but it gives me like, it's just so chilling, tantalizing of mm-hmm. what we get to see with her, especially after having read the secret diary. Yeah. And how much they were. Uh, it's like, interesting to see Ronette in this series so far, because we like, don't really get a lot from her, but to find out in the book that her and Laura basically were like, I know. Tied the hip. I know. It's really interesting. It kind of like, gives this whole like, 
you can kind of put stuff on her character because you mm-hmm. don't know a lot about it, but you do kind of because you of know, like, Secret Diary. Yeah. And just like, I don't know, I guess how traumatic it was to see Laura murdered right in front of her. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also liked the Supper Club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <laughs> awkwardly weird, but I love having all the characters together and just, let's put on a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess those are all my favorites. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good episode. Well, it's always hard to pick, you know, a, One. an episode like this that is just chock full of really mm, great yeah. moments. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the premiere, so obviously it's going to have a little more special attention to it. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is one of the best episodes. Oh, Anytime yeah. David Lynch so directs, it's going to yeah. be one of the best. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to see some more Leslie Linkagladder. Huh? Uh, gladder Leslie Linkagladder episodes because in the first season uh-huh. she was one of our favorite episodes. Okay, okay, I see what you mean. So. I thought you were saying like an actress or a character, and I was like, I don't remember who that is. <laughs> then She's I was like, oh, directors. directors. <laughs> right. I think it's Linkagladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. So for the deep dive, I decided to do. Ronette Pulaski. Because I know this might be, I mean, there might be a better episode for her, but since we just came off The Secret Diary, I was like, Mm -hmm. let's just do her now. Yeah. Okay. And the way I decided to come into the classification for her is because, well, we never classified Laura because we didn't actually do a deep dive per se on her because the whole book was a deep dive. Right. But it did say when her birthday was, and I'm pretty sure she's a cancer. Mm -hmm. So I found this some sort of article about how each sign relates to other signs as friends. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd read what cancer said, and then we can pick by who they get along with. Uh-huh. And so, okay. Yeah. So there's a little more stuff to say during this one. Okay. Cancers. This is Laura. Cancers symbolized by the crab protect their soft interiors with hard exoskeletons. So when it comes to friendship, it's either all or nothing for these crustaceans. Until you prove your loyalty, don't be surprised if you get the cold shoulder from these self-protective creatures. There's nothing a cancer hates more than being vulnerable with a fair-weather friend. Hmm. But once you build a bond and establish trust, cancer will reveal their gentle, nurturing nature, providing their unparalleled dedication and support. Water signs tend to swim together, making mysterious Scorpio and ethereal Pisces great companions for this sensitive crab. The bond with Taurus is also extremely strong for Cancer. When paired up, these two love to form a friendship based on dedication, trust, and stability. So it said that they mostly get along with water signs or Taurus. Mm -hmm. So I got Taurus, Pisces, and Scorpio to read. Okay. These are smaller, and this is how these signs relate to friends. So she could be a Taurus. Mm -hmm. Taurians are drawn to friends who share their tastes literally (laughs) which they definitely do (laughs) taurus loves scheduling long delicious meals with their pals or delicious meals of drugs (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the day however a taurus cancer friendship may prove to be the most indestructible since both of these signs value security they'll be sure to provide each other with plenty of emotional support through life's many ups and downs okay (laughs) i could definitely see her being a taurus oh yeah Okay, then we have Pisces. Pisces is, which we talked about in the last one. Mm -hmm. Pisces is symbolized by the ocean. It's an expansive, no, it's the expansive eternal domain of emotions, experiences, and psychic intuition. 
Dreamy and ethereal, Pisces are in a world of their own. This sensibility makes Pisces extremely malleable, so it's easy for Pisces to adapt to their surroundings. After all, if they don't like where they are hanging, they'll just swim away. Water signs, Cancer and Scorpio are great companions for Pisces, as these two like-minded creatures understand Pisces' incredible sensitivity. Now, the main thing I thought, because the psychic intuition, because mm-hmm. she does seem to have like some sort of dream thing going on, and yeah, and I could see like Pisces being like, "Well, oh, sure, I'll do whatever, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> do whatever you want." She kind of was very that. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, Scorpio. A friendship with Scorpio is one that's built on intuition, feelings, and all that exists within the unseen realms. Cancer and Pisces, also water signs, are great companions for Scorpio. Together they form rich friendships built on instinct. So, Hmm. does any of those sound more like a Ronette and Laura friendship dynamic? The first one you said was Taurus, right? Yeah. I think Taurus. I was thinking Taurus too. She seems a little more earthy. Yeah. And like less, I know, I don't know. Ethereal. Yeah. Because when you said the ethereal part of one of the other ones, it just didn't really, I don't think of her. Like you said, like more earthy and she's a little more rough. Yeah. 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 So I would say Taurus seems to be like the perfect kind of. Yeah. And she seemed really like loyal to Laura. Yeah. She helped her out a lot. And they had like their own code for everything. And so that kind of, that security thing definitely kind of got me. Yeah. You I agree? Can, I concur. All right. Well, so we're <laughs> going to say that Ronette is a Taurus. Yes. Based on how they get along with cancer. Yes. Which is Laura. And she's one of the few that we definitely know what her birthday was supposed to be. So we can't really change our minds on that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so for D&D. I'm thinking, I'm thinking um, neutral chaotic. <laughs> mm, I said chaotic neutral. <laughs> I guess it would be neutral evil. Neutral evil? If you were... Because, see, I always get mixed up. I'm just now trying to start to figure it out. But, like... No, I would say chaotic neutral for me. Because the first half is chaotic. The second half is evil. Like, lawful and good. Chaotic and evil. (laughs) (laughs) You said neutral chaotic, but you make chaotic neutral? Yeah, same. Yeah. Or neutral evil. uh, Chaotic neutral. Okay. So we both said chaotic neutral. I'm going to, next time I'm on one of these episodes, I'm going to need a visual of this chart chart put up somewhere so I can understand. Well, it's like, I say neutral because she doesn't necessarily have an agenda of being good or bad. It's more like she's just kind of living. Agreed. To do these drugs or whatever. But I had said chaotic because she's a mess. She's Mm. entangled in, and it might be more because we read the book. She's entangled in all this like drug stuff with Leo and them and all the sex trafficking and all that other stuff. She's kind of involved with it. And then it also involved with Laura's murder, technically. Yeah. And I mean, considering Laura is like probably one of the most chaotic characters I've ever yes. known about in my life. I think Ronette was just like hanging in there with her. She's yeah. got to be equally yeah. chaotic. Mm. But I don't think she's necessarily good or evil. I think yeah. she's just, I mean, if anything, maybe she's chaotic good. But, you mm. know, she's too into that life to really. Yeah. Especially right now from what we know, because especially from the show, she's in a coma, really. Like, you can't really... She's not doing anything, so... Yeah. <laughs> she's kind of, I would say, chaotic neutral. Uh, yeah, true. Is, I think, a <laughs> pretty moment, good she's one. definitely neutral. Yeah, chaotic neutral. Yay. Taurus, chaotic neutral. What a combo. <laughs> 
All right, final thoughts on the episode. Uh, I can't imagine people stopped watching after this episode. It was so good. It was so good. So crazy. And I, I've already watched the next two just in preparation for when we record them. Mm-hmm. And they're both really good too. <laughs> mm, I'm very excited. Is it that people thought it was weird? I think so. I think... Which it's like... I mean, it was... I mean, from the beginning, it was weird. From like the second... Was it the yeah. second episode? I think they've had weird moments throughout the yeah, whole Yeah, I mean, they go to the Red Room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? I mean, that's very odd. And it's was like... Was the giant not in the Red Room in the first season? No, yeah. it's just Laura and the dancing guy. Yeah, okay. And, but it's just like, have you not seen anything David Lynch has ever done? <laughs> it's not always like well, I think that was what people really liked about it was yeah. how weird it was. So when it starts yeah. weird, but you know, there are people who are probably just like, oh, I just like normal TV. I don't like this weird stuff on my TV. Yeah. Like my grandmother probably or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was all grandmothers who stopped watching it. My grandmother who's like, contemporary dancing is too out there. I only like the ballroom stuff. <laughs> quick step for me. <laughs> but it makes me excited to see where we go especially since we have like almost triple the episodes this oh, season so much to go yeah and we're already kind of jumping into like you know the owls are not what they seem and what does that mean and i know the woods are creepy and scary we have so much twin peaks still i mean all oh, yeah. of season two is really a lot in and of itself to cover probably right. like an entire year's worth of podcast <laughs> because if it's you so switch much. back and forth between jane austen that's like half a year's yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like all of season three, plus there's the secret history of Twin Peaks and the final dossier books that were both spinoff books. Wow. Plus Fire Walk With Me mm-hmm. and the, the extra footage from that that they made into a thing, the missing pieces. Plus there's like a bajillion special features that would make really cool episodes. So wow. I'll be doing a lot of Twin Peaks over the next few years. <laughs> it's like a TPU Twin Peaks universe. <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll definitely scatter in some of David Lynch's more, yeah. you know, other projects. Yeah. But Twin Peaks is a huge yeah. body of work. <laughs> I'm so excited to see where we go. Me too. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I just, you know, echoing what I said earlier, it's like just great to be back and you know yeah it's just twin exciting peaks. twin peaks twin, twin peaks, peaks. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to recommend something that I watched recently, but because Josh is here, I decided to recommend something old that oh. I know he loves. Oh. Oh. And I don't know what made me think of it. I think maybe Twin Peaks just makes me think of this book because they're both kind of weird in their own ways. But mm-hmm. one of my favorite books, definitely a great audiobook, is 1Q84 yeah. by Haruki Murakami. Yeah. Um, and... It's like a night. It's a long book, but it's like mm. this fantasy. But it's also about these characters, and there's two moons, and <laughs> it's all crazy. I love Mur- Murakami books. Yeah. Josh is a huge fan of yes. Murakami. Yeah. I haven't read that much, but I've definitely read like three or four. And but one Q eighty four was just like mind blowing mm-hmm. <laughs> when I listened mm-hmm. to it. I'm sure I talked to everyone and I was like, "Have you read it? Have you read it? Have you read it?" <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, definitely if you want some like escape into another world that's kind mm-hmm. of in the tw- not in the Twin Peaks universe, but like in the same weird vein as Twin Peaks, like mm-hmm. a different auteur's version of mm-hmm. their own weird metaphysical brain. Yeah, one Q eighty four. Definitely, hundred percent recommend. It's an amazing book. It makes me want to read it again. Or maybe <laughs> listen to the audiobook this oh, time. The audiobook yeah. is really good too. Yeah. The only problem with his audiobooks is, I find that they get taken off of Audible. Like I don't know if they do sep- new translations mm. or new audio, but I'm pretty sure that one was done so well the first time that they probably still have that one available. And it's more one of his more recent books too. It's, yeah, um, uh, within the last two or three, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because I've I, I'm like I started reading, or I guess you know reading Kafka on the Shore, which is another one of his books. Mm-hmm. But it's more like it's not like fantasy. It's like a well, no, but it's well. <laughs> They're all kind of like yeah. they have this weird. And I'm not, it's like a magical realism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm I'm you know, I'm not even halfway through it. And <laughs> it was a long time ago, so I probably should re-listen to it from the beginning yeah, if I, I mean, do. But it just seemed more like realism so it's interesting to hear about like this one that is like completely fantasy feeling. i don't even know if i could say it's completely well just fantasy. like the idea of you said what like two suns or two moons yes, or whatever yes. like just the idea of like okay we're already in a new place yeah which this one feels like we are in like a like a place we know so it's yeah just i do think he does write some more normalish books, sure so it's like that's but there's like always some sort does. of like angle of Fantasy. Well, I think in Kafka on the Shore, remember, there's a character who talks to cats. I was going to say, that's the cat oh. one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I didn't get to that part yet. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely need to. And I mean, that one took me forever to get Colonel started. Colonel Sanders on. is a character. Like, <laughs> Colonel I mean, Sanders. Yeah, it's crazy. Interesting. It's crazy. Well, I love I need to Kafka get on the, the Shore is my favorite of his books. So. I think that's why I got it. But 1Q84 is great. The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle is great. I mean, there's lots of really, really good books that, that are I think I read a book called weird. The Wind-Up Girl. Hmm. hmm. I don't know if there's a chronicle out there. <laughs> <laughs> that one was crazy. Dystopian science fiction. But we're not talking about that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, 1Q84, definitely recommend. Haruki Murakami. Yeah. <laughs> For my recommendation, I'm going to do a video game. A video game. I just finished, and it's also an old recommendation because it's eight years after it came out. But <laughs> The Last we of like Us. We like old recommendations here. <laughs> yes. The Last of Us, which is, you know, I mean, it's probably one of the most popular games to ever come out. So I don't think it's necessarily a recommendation where people are like, you got to play this game. You know, I just started watching a show that's been out for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, people get to things in their own time, so you right. never know what recommendation is going to... Yeah. Well, I just, like, I think I had... They had remastered it recently, and it was only... It was on sale for, like, $13. Ooh. So I was like, I'll just play it. and Because the second one had just came out when I bought it. And I started playing it, and at first I was like, this is one of those games where you're like, you have to survive off of like whatever you find. So you only got six bullets for now until you can find some more bullets in the wild. Right. It's just, it's dark. A lot of it's dark. You have to kind of like walk slowly and (laughs) it's the zombies, you know. I don't like it in games when things jump out at me. (laughs) It has a couple moments of those. There were lots of moments where I yelled out loud and (laughs) was very upset at the game for killing me. But it was so good. And I, like once I got into the groove of playing with it and like the mechanics of it, it was really really good, and I really enjoyed the story. And it made me really excited for the show they're making with Pedro Pascal and oh. um, I can never remember her name, but she played 
She was in Game of Thrones. She's oh, uh, Mormont. The, yeah, uh, Leanna Lady, Mormont. Leanna Mormont. Oh. Blah, blah, blah. I can't remember the actress's name, but she's playing Ellie, who's the girl in the game, which I'm really <sighs> excited for. That's awesome. Yeah, so. <laughs> I love her. I, I would recommend this game just because it's just, it's a really good story. It's just really interesting to see the angle they took on zombies, which, because I feel like now we're so played out with zombies. I'm yeah. just kind of done with them, but it was really fun to see where they went with it. <laughs> That's cool. That's on the PS4 though, right? Yeah, and I think maybe Xbox One. And you can like reverse play if you have a PS5 or whatever, but right. the new one just came out, Last of Us Part 2, which I haven't played, but I've heard it's even better than the first one. <laughs> I just don't want to spend $60 right now. So, yeah. But the first one's really good. I would recommend it. <laughs> I wish they would put everything on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to have to get another system. <laughs> it was, I, I'm really, I never was a PlayStation person. Even though I had a one and a two, I wasn't like, you know, that wasn't my thing, but I really enjoyed the PlayStation 4 so I've far. I've wanted one for a long time. It's worth the price, uh, in my opinion. I don't feel like I play the Switch enough to justify getting a second system. But you never know it's what's like, going to It's happen. different kind of games, you know? It's true. Like, it's l- larger games. Like, you spend, I think you spend more time playing them. Because there's just so much more to do and to explore. Like, a lot of the games I play are, like, open world where, you know, it's yeah. so big. Yeah. Because you could fit more on them. <laughs> well, someday I will come over to your house and try. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that I've gotten the extension cord and we can plug it into the, you know, the, nice the 4K TV. <laughs> Where the graphics look nice. Yeah, I mean, Perfect. that's pretty amazing. I'll have to go back and play Fallen Order. Yeah, it'll oh, look on yeah. that nicer, trust me. <laughs> What's your recommendation, Josh? Well, you know, um, talk, talking about people coming into their things at their own time, I was thinking about a recommendation and I was realizing that I was actually recommending it to my boss yesterday who's never <laughs> seen it but you know this week that we're recording this we lost jessica walter the great mm-hmm. actress jessica walter who probably most famously is known as lucille bluth on arrested development uh-huh. the best. and so if you have not seen i won't really recommend the fourth and fifth seasons it's terrible to say they're fine but the first three seasons are comedic brilliance and genius <laughs> and she is a character that you know will stand the test of time I mean, she <laughs> is one of the funniest people mm-hmm. ever yeah on tv on an already funny show she might be the funniest oh, <laughs> oh she's my favorite character on that yeah. show hands down yeah and there's so many memes that come from her uh, from that show like the good for her meme like you yeah. will recognize lucille yeah. bluth what does a banana cost? Ten dollars. <laughs> There's so much good stuff. So around. many good, good lines. You know, she's so good. Look what nobody, the gays have done to me. Right. Nobody <laughs> wants. Nobody wants to go in that old dusty claptrap. Dusty yeah. old claptrap. <laughs> oh, the house. Yeah. <laughs> she's the best. Oh, that's a great recommendation too. Because mm-hmm. that was a show that I did not watch it when it. I only watched it because you were like, "Let's watch Same. this." <laughs> me too. It was so good. It was one that I... I never saw the fourth. Well, I saw part of the fourth. Yeah, I mean, and I think they went back and reorganized the fourth... Because the fourth season was shot weird because everybody had weird schedules, so they weren't all together, so they had to shoot it really separately Uh and kind of disjointed, and I think they went back and, like, reorganized it. So it was... 
Well, it was Snyder just, cut. it was like <laughs> <laughs> each episode was about a character. So you saw their whole story oh. and then you'd see this character's whole story. And so I think they went back and edited it. So it was all chronological rather than story, 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 story. I okay. think, don't quote me on that. But um, I, and frankly, I don't even know that I watched the fifth season because the fourth season was I just kind of like. we started watching the fourth season and we just were like, because we had just watched one through three, which were like perfect. And the four season just it just feels so disjointed. Like you can tell they're not all together. So it just I didn't watch weird. it all. It gets better as the season goes on, as all the pieces start to make sense. And right. you know that's one of the brilliant things about Arrested Development is there's it's just jokes on jokes on jokes on jokes. <laughs> yes. So like yeah. you know anyway, but and I think it's you know you don't always have to love every part of something yeah. to make the parts that are great still be great. So right. yeah, <laughs> hey, of course, man. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, if you would like to get in contact with us, you know, tell us the first time you saw Twin Peaks season two and what your mm. thoughts were when you first saw this episode. Yeah. We would love to hear from you or anything else that you've got on your mind after listening to an episode. <laughs> yes, you can email us at mannersofmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us at Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersofmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersmadness.com. That would be fun. Yes, <laughs> and give us those stars, please. Oh, yes, we would really appreciate it. We love getting ratings and reviews. Mm-hmm. So if you wouldn't mind going on to Apple Podcasts and giving us five stars, we would definitely appreciate it. And next week, we are coming back with some Jane Austen. We are doing Love and Friendship from oh, Amazon wait. Prime, starring Kate Beckinsale, based Kate. on Lady Susan. It's so good. Very. Lazy Susan. <laughs> <laughs> she would appreciate that joke. <laughs> it's a very fun little... It'll be like two episodes, because I think it's like an hour and a half mm-hmm. movie. It's so good. and It's one of the few Jane Austen things that I've seen couple times yeah. and I've really it, it's one of my favorite things it'll be one of the few where Christian might actually know more than me <laughs> more familiar with it than I am <laughs> it's just so funny and so good so I'm really excited yeah I definitely enjoyed it when I watched it before so I'm excited to watch it again mm-hmm. and that's it for this week yeah thank you Josh for joining us oh, for our first <laughs> episode Mabel do you have too. anything to snore would you like to come back for Lady Susan uh, we'll see what I'm doing that week. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen that movie though. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah we watched it. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, so thank you so much. And I'm sure you'll hear him again soon. And that's all. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, good thank you for listening. Night. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.